This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the stadium showdown was a complete success, but where do we go from here? Week 14 is in the books. We'll get you set up for week 15 with Blaze Reardon of the Philadelphia Wings as they look for their third straight. We dip into the listener mailbag plus another round of box bets. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Bandits with McKay. Looked like they had it set up. Now Nanakov. What an over-the-shoulder goal! Dahoga Nanakov is for real! Wheels around. Shot clock to 10. Dixon whips it. Off the rebound. San Diego scores. It's Berg again. Cleaning up the dirty laundry out front. So here's Jones. Fires. That one deflected wide. Reared and scores! Rebound off the end boards. Right back to Blaze Reardon. And he puts it home. Fourth power play goal of the day for the Wings. And it's 17 to 10. Trying to spring. Slade. Had it cut up to that. Might have been home free. Now he moves. Shoot scores! Brandon Slade powers it in, and the Rock take a 9-8 lead. Nice pass inside, and Malcolm just couldn't get the stick out. It tries it again. Shot scored! Great job by Malcolm. That loose ball, he actually came from the opposite side. He was over there in the righties trying to get that loose ball. Came across and was able to put that right below Bouquet's glove. Malcolm's got the hat trick. That pressure by The Rock. Here's McIntosh to the net. He scores! Ben McIntosh tucks one in. A huge goal for Philadelphia. They're back up by two at 11-9. Wiedemann searching for his option. And it's in the stick of guess who? Lyle Thompson. From up top, Thompson! He buries it! Just like that, Wild Thompson wins it for Georgia in overtime. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. He is Pat Gregoire at P. Greggy on Twitter. I'm Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner, the show at OTCB underscore podcast or on the Instas at OTCB. We are on to week 15. Week 14 was a stellar one. Patty, how the hell are you? Doing good, man. What a what a busy week it was last week. But uh, just want to say a big thank you um, to everyone that tuned in on Monday to our watch party. Yeah. Uh, I had a blast. Um, could have had a little more Parker Banesh on the show, yeah, to be honest. Drew could have said something. <laughs> Yeah, didn't really give us much input, but hey, no, um, no. no, but in all seriousness, that was awesome. I, I, you know, I really had a blast. I know you did as well. Uh, thanks to all our guests. Thanks to everyone at the NL for for believing in a couple of idiots that were yep. thought it would be a good idea just to chat and ramble <laughs> during a game. But it seemed like it was pretty well received. So uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. Yeah, there were some hiccups with some audio stuff, but, you know, this was our first time doing it, so we were expecting some of that. We don't have the high budget of the Manning cast, uh, but hopefully this is something we can do 
again down the line. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be an every week thing or anything no. like that, but maybe something on these special occasions when there's a Monday game or maybe a Sunday game when neither of us are, are traveling or anything like that. So um, thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, thanks, everybody that watched. Thanks, everybody that joined us on the broadcast. It was a ton of fun. Um, and we got a heck of a lacrosse game to watch as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can do the watch party again. Um, news of the week, Zach Higgins is your player of the week. Jack Hanna, your rookie of the week. Again, he just continues to rack those up as he takes another stride towards the rookie of the year. Um, but it was a crazy week in week 14. Bandits come back to knock off Halifax. Philly races away from New York. Uh, the outdoor game, which we'll dive into deeply, was a fantastic spectacle, and the Seals pulled away late. Toronto beats Rochester by a goal. Georgia just puts, you know, was back and forth with Albany. They get their second win. Uh, Panther City knocks off Saskatchewan as they continue to climb up the West standings. And then, of course, the Monday night game, the Wings knock off the Rock as Philadelphia wins two games on the weekend, and they are now in fourth. Did you ever see this coming, Patty? Man, I, I want to say yes, but I thought Toronto was going to go 2-0, and and I thought if they were going to drop one, it would have been – at home to to a pesky Rochester team. They pull out the win there. Um, but full credit to Philadelphia. Back in the thing. Now they are in the driver's seat at yeah. five and five in that last spot. Um, two wins in a single weekend, two wins in, in three nights is never anything easily. Um, you mentioned Higgins, obviously player of the week. What an unreal performance he had in between the pipes in both games, but especially that game against Toronto. And Man, like this, this this Philly team um, certainly, with the addition uh, of Jones, looks like a completely different club now. Yeah, we're gonna talk with Blaze Reardon in a little bit, and and he was just so happy with the addition of Mitch Jones and everything that he's brought. And then he mentioned to me that Jonesy's out there for the month of March, living out there in Philadelphia, so they're gonna get spend a lot of time together and really grow. The connection on that left side because him, Rambo, Blaze, uh, that's a formidable trio over there. And they're starting to get some cohesion. And Joji's just been an absolute beast in the four games. He's I think he's got more points in those four games with the wings than he had in the seven or whatever he played with the Vancouver Warriors. So he's obviously very comfortable and feeling himself in that offense. He, I mean... He just should we shouldn't be surprised because no. he is such a special talent. Uh, we talked about it on you know during our watch party that last year until he got hurt, he was an MVP candidate, and now he looks so comfortable, even though he is the guy in that offense on the left side of the floor, at least. He knows he doesn't have to carry the load like he did in. Vancouver and it wasn't you know ever, the world wasn't resting on his shoulders anymore because you know two guys beside him can contribute really well on the flip side he's got Ben McIntosh and, and Joe Rez who are building a great chemistry be between them and you know I just think 
you know, obviously he wasn't pleased to leave Vancouver, but I'm sure if you asked him, I think he's really appreciative for the fresh start and, and kind of realizes that, you know, he has an opportunity now with a team that had very high expectations that weren't meeting them. Now they can meet those expectations and possibly even exceed them. Yeah. It's funny. You know, we, we often see trades and, and sometimes they don't work out, but this trade has thoroughly worked out for the Philadelphia wings. As we mentioned, they are now in fourth place in the East ahead of the Halifax Thunderbirds. And, you know, a few weeks ago, we didn't really know what this Wings team was going to be, but now they're starting to put the pieces together. Higgins is playing yeah. incredible. Paul Day has that group believing in themselves. They got a massive game with New York this weekend, so we'll see if they can keep and, that trend going. And just one quick note, um, Graham Perro tweeted it out the other night. In seven games of Vancouver this season, Jones had 11 goals, 24 assists for 35 points. In just four games with Philly – he has 12 goals, 23 assists for 35 points. So needless to say, he's fitting in well, Yeah, and he's hit the ground running. Um, the Swarm win their second game in a row. They're starting to, to get some cohesion. We always thought that they would after that slow start. But what the heck is up with the Albany Firewolves right now? They just cannot find a win. It's been it's been a struggle for this Albany team, and uh, you know I'm going to get a, a close look at them this week yeah. uh, with a game of the week against Toronto, and and again things aren't going to get easier for this young Albany team. To be honest, I think the first four weeks, and then them jumping out to a two and two start, a win against the Bandits, a one loss or one goal loss to Rochester. Uh, and then going one and one against Halifax, I think from the outside looking in, immediately f- expectations were changed, and people thought, okay, this team is a lot better than what we thought it was. And I'm not saying that they aren't, but I think now they're starting to come back to earth. And talking to Glenn Clark this week, he he does believe that you know they knew pain was coming this year, and but they thought they would be competing closer in games. And he said, obviously he's had to change his approach. Um, You know, you can't keep harping on these guys because these guys are younger. They haven't been in these positions. There's guys that were rookies, not even the league, barely playing box across or some guys that were, you know, a, a three or a four on a roster or on a practice roster that are now stepping in and having to be number one, number two guys. But the one thing he said he will not make excuses for is compete. They're all still pro athletes. They're all still in the NLL and, and the compete level isn't there. That's where there's going to be issues. And he believes that that little midway skid that Doug Jamison had a few weeks ago is past him. He seems to believe that, you know, we're seeing as of last week, a more of what we saw from Jamison and, Let's be honest. If Jamison's not on his game, this team's going to really, really struggle to find wins. The, their their goal at the start of the year was, you know, if we can keep teams within nine to ten goals each game, they're going to compete. They're going to win some games. You know, as soon as it gets to the mid teams, yeah. teams, they just don't have the offensive firepower to deal with it. A team that is starting to find more and more firepower each and every week of the Panther City Lacrosse Club or the club, as they like to be called. Um, 16-10 win over Saskatchewan. Uh, are they for real? Because 
they're now in third in the West and they're starting to win some lacrosse games. And uh, I think this team can really shock some clubs if they continue to do what they're doing. Like they're on seven wins in the West. They're tied for the most wins in that West conference. Sure. Yeah, they, they got a couple of games in hand, but you know, Nick DeMood is playing out of his mind. Obviously, what Donnie is doing and the addition of Callum Crawford and Dodsey's there and Will Malcolm is third in the league in scoring. Like this team just continues to not care about headlines or people aren't talking about them, but they're starting to make some noise down there in Fort Worth. The thing that I like about this team too, is they're finding different ways to win. Yeah. Like they can win in those, those shootouts. Um, they can blow you out. They can grind you out in some of the games that we saw as well, like that Panther city, um, Philly game, you know, when they went into Wells Fargo on 12, 10, um, they, this is a team that, you know, I, I truly do believe that they, they believe that they can make some noise and that they are a championship caliber team. But now I think it's actually coming to reality that, you know, in a one game first round uh, matchup, Mm-hmm. from San Diego to Calgary to Saskatchewan to Colorado or maybe even a Vegas if they sneak in. In a one-gamer, why yeah. not them? Like, why not them? And even if they do get to the next round, like, they have shown that from top to bottom, they might not have the most talented group in the West or even in, in the entire league. But when you put all those guys together that are buying into what Tracy Koleski and that staff is preaching, this team can do some damage. Uh, you mentioned the Vegas Desert Dogs who are starting to make a little bit of noise in the West. He's still got a lot of work to do, but they really pushed San Diego in that outdoor game. And that's going to be our focus, um, you know, for the next little bit is the spectacle that was the stadium showdown and everything that Steve Govett and Cam Holding and Joe Sy and the Seals and, and the NLL put together was one of the greatest things we've seen in the 37 whatever years of this sport it was awesome it really really was awesome um from just the actual game standpoint before we even get into the broadcast just the setup was awesome the fact that they put that down that turf and and the box so quickly because there was a you know a san diego state uh university women's field across game the night before um the seating like how they had it in the end zone and it was you know let's say like three-fourths of the stadium wrapped around or just over mm-hmm. that and great crowd, um, you know, over 8,000 people of the 11,000 that they could have had stuff there. Um, jerseys looked awesome. Palm trees and, and jumbotrons in the background. Like it was a really a spectacle. That's exactly what it was. It was a spectacle. It was, it was something that I don't know if we could ever have thought years ago that we would yeah. be doing. Um, but shout out to Joe Sy, Steve Govett, the entire NL, and the San Diego Seals organize, San Diego Seals organization for setting this up, having a vision, and a coming true. And and the fact that we got a great game as well just added to it. You know, Vegas, like I said, Vegas pushed San Diego that entire game. The Seals just had a little more strength down the stretch. But man, this Vegas team is starting to turn some heads. And we always talk about you know what Jack Hanna is doing, but we got to start giving some love to Landing Kells, who's really starting to come into his own in his rookie season in the National Cross League. Certainly, we certainly do. And I think we talked about 
how this essentially is now Jonathan Donville's award to lose for mm-hmm. rookie of the year, but Hannah is certainly making a push. And I think Landon Kells certainly has entered his name into the conversation for at least a nomination for that top three spot at the end of the year. Because when, when you just look at the body of work, what he's been able to do from a game by game um, pretty much since taking over, it's not only the big saves, it's the fact that he's become a calming presence as a rookie goaltender is yeah. remarkable to me. Seeing him in the, the, the locker room after after a big win or, you know, you see him over at the bench talking to his defense at a, at a timeout or you, you talk to guys on the team and they say that, you know, Kelsey, he's a guy that, you know, we really feed off of, but at the same time, he's a guy that calms us down. Like you don't really get that from a rookie goaltender and that just goes to show you, this guy, you know, has all the makings to be a special goalie one day. Uh, speaking of goaltenders, Chris Origlieri started. Frank Chiliano, Frank Chiliano finished that game. We won't go too deep into that, but another contest where the Seals have to flip-flop goaltenders but still come away with a win. Um, so we often talk about the goaltending controversy or what are they going to do. I don't know. They're still winning games, even though they're not getting the greatest goaltending. So if they can find a way to steady that position, um, I think they can really make a push here in the second half of the season. But Curtis Dixon had nine points. Berg and Stotts had six each. Dane Dobie, Casey Jackson had four points each. Trey LeClaire had two goals out of the back end. Like this is a team. We know how good they are. If they mm-hmm. can, and, and we talked about it with Steve Govett, they just got to find a way, find a way to get 60 minutes between the pipes and they can almost be unstoppable. I think this was their most complete effort from the defense transition and offense. And that kind of goes to show, you know, because you'd be like, well, they only beat Vegas 15-12. Well, that speaks more volumes to how good Vegas has become as a team because I do truly believe that this San Diego team for full 60 um, really – really, really showed that, okay, this is a championship team. Yeah, sure, goaltending, not what we expected um, because we finally thought, okay, maybe Irregulieri is, is the guy, but the last two weeks now, now he's been yanked. So you, you're right, though. Um, I don't think they're hitting the panic button. I don't no. know if they're picking up the, the, the phone to call anyone because at the end of the day, they're still in first. They're 7-2. and two. They're yeah. sitting really pretty atop of the West, and – they finally got their 60 minutes. They've been working for, for the for the rest of the team. Like, how good does this team get if one of those goalies step up and and provide consistency in between the pipes? That's the top of the tables. At the bottom of the tables, um, Albany, New York, Vancouver, all with two wins, um, all within you know a, a game of each other. Uh, as they fight for the first overall pick, is it? <laughs> I don't want this to sound as a positive negative, but is there any one team doing enough to take them out of that race? <laughs> I mean, well, when you look, when you look at some of the, those, those bottom teams now, Vancouver, obviously with the effort that we saw last against Saskatchewan, I think if they continue to play like that, they're going to find ways to win some games, but yeah. Um, I'm going to get to it in a little bit. I don't know how many teams are going to be unloading. There are a couple of pieces on that Warriors roster that I could see getting Mm -hmm. shipped out. And maybe we see some other guys come in 
and, and get an opportunity to play, maybe that helps. But um, I don't really think there's one team that just wants to completely tank and, and get out of it, despite yeah. the fact that there is a special talent in Dyson Williams sitting at the top. But when you look at the pool of prospects, let's yeah. say even the top five, six, it's nuts. So you're going to get a good player if you finish in that bottom four, bottom five, or even bottom six. Um, I, I truly do believe that, you know, this is uh, this is this is an opportunity for either of those teams really to still compete while also getting a, um, you know, while still getting an opportunity to get a, a special talent. Thumbs up, thumbs down uh, after what was a fantastic week in the National Lacrosse League, 14 weeks in the books. Um, I'm going to hit the Skycam at the stadium showdown. I just thought it was such a cool camera angle and a mm-hmm. cool viewer experience. Um, I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't know, what well, one, if it was going to get in the way, two, if we would have really gotten a grasp of, you know, how fast the game is. But as soon as we started seeing game action, that sky cam was phenomenal. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to hook up inside an arena, but obviously for any other time we do something like this, I think a sky cam has to be a non-negotiable because it just, it created a different vantage point than we've ever seen. You know, sometimes we've had the camera from, you know, the the bottom center of jumbotrons in some arenas. And that's been pretty cool. But the fact that we could just have the Skycam following the play for the majority of the broadcast was just so damn cool. There was one play, uh, I think it was Trey LeClaire started in transition, picks up a loose ball, um, fires it down the floor to, I think it was Doby. Doby then goes cross crease over to Jackson and Jackson berries um that just that that in itself there that play just goes to show you like that what the capabilities of that camera is yeah um, and then it's after the celebration scans to you know the crowd and now it's just all one shot it's not like cutting to different shots yeah is it it would be tough to get that camera inside an nl building for sure maybe could you do it for the finals possibly um but any of these outdoor games absolute must but to build off what you're saying with the sky cam, the entire broadcast itself, what yeah. 13 cameras, two sideline reporters, HD cameras on the floor after a goal to get the celebration, um, you know, mic'd up players. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say it. I really liked going live to hearing just the Nat sound and getting yeah. the sounds yeah. of the game. Not because I don't want to listen to Cooper and Nicosella because I thought they were great on the call, but every so often I did like going in because you could hear the defense talking. You could hear the crash of the boards after a missed shot on net. And, um, you know, I thought that was really cool. I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't want to do it too much, but once or twice, three times in a game, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, What is your thumbs up, sir? My thumbs up, and we kind of talked about it, is this playoff race certainly has gotten even more interesting than we anticipated. Um, Three teams at the top of the West with seven. um, The two guys next looking in, um, five and five each. So when you look, Vegas not too far behind, just two games back there. So 
all but probably one team in the West um, still in the hunt for a playoff spot. In the flip side, in the East, Buffalo, Toronto, sitting atop by themselves, not too far behind is Rochester. And well, 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 <laughs> Philadelphia Wings have backdoored themselves into that fourth spot. And now all of a sudden, the Halifax Thunderbirds, after a couple of close losses, are on the outside looking in for the first time, I think, maybe since moving yeah. to Halifax. Yeah. Um, this team's got some adversity to go through, and their road does not get easier over the next few games. They go to Buffalo this week, and then they have Toronto visit them. But after that, when you compare Philly's schedule to Halifax's schedule, it's pretty close. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a wire-to-wire finish. And if they can rack up some wins and maybe one or two of these, these West teams fall off, I think then maybe the crossover oh. gets back into the conversation. Oh. It's likely it's going to be four and four. Oh. But I would love to see Halifax and Philly really start to heat up here. And – now you don't know who's getting in, but you also don't know how many teams are getting in. That yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, Philly went in the crossover last year and played San Diego, but imagine a Halifax-San Diego crossover game. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Although, but then that means we don't get either a Saskatchewan, a Vegas, yeah. or a Colorado. Yeah. So, I mean, part of me would love that. I, I just want it to go, like, I would love just, you know, come the last week of the season, we don't know what that playoff picture looks like. And just yeah, quickly, I think we'll probably know the top three in each division. Yep. Yeah, that's conference. fair. It'll be the fourth. Yep. It'll be the four, the two fourths and the the two fourths in each side that will be up for grabs. But I think that makes for even better lacrosse because yeah. all those wins mean so much more. If the playoffs started today, it'd be Buffalo hosting Philly, Toronto hosting Rochester in the East, San Diego hosting Saskatchewan, Calgary hosting Panther City. Love in the that. West. So some juicy, juicy matchups if they were to start today. Um, I don't have a thumbs down. I thought it was an, a great week, um, but I, I do agree with your thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down kind of builds off my thumbs up because everyone is so tight. And I didn't even mention some of those other teams on the outside, like a Georgia or a New York or even the Warriors for that case. Um, and Vegas as well, although we said they're in the hunt. But that being said, the teams that we thought maybe would be selling, I don't think they're really going to be selling all that much off. Um, so much chatter a couple of weeks ago about Georgia maybe getting rid of Lyle and, and Jackson and all signs sound like, you know, they're going to hold on to their cards because they believe that their schedule was so tough at the start of the year. If they collect a few wins here, they can get right back into it. And that now means that, trade deadline is going to be a bit boring and I could still see maybe a couple trades here and there but if you talk to us go back to an episode what maybe a month a month and a half ago you and I were both on the record saying like oh this could be a really juicy yeah. trade deadline yeah. but because there are so many teams still in the mix I don't know if it's going to happen will the Philadelphia Wings make a move they added Mitch Jones they're starting to win lacrosse games and they're starting to play with some confidence, maybe a piece out the back end to help shore up that defense. Who knows? But one of the guys that is a huge part of their success right now is Blaze Reardon, one of the best in the world in both aspects of lacrosse. And he goes one-on-one -on -one with me this week right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast.
After back-to-back wins over the weekend, the Philadelphia Wings are, yes, in a playoff spot. And one of the big reasons for that has been the play of our next guest, Blaze Reardon. How are you, brother? How are we doing? Uh, we are good. Uh, we were just talking before we uh, hopped on the broadcast. Um, Mitch Jones needs to bring his wallet to the golf course this year, eh? Yeah, he needs to bring it everywhere he goes. That's kind of a staple of growing up, and he seems to forget that. But, yeah, especially the golf course. How has he fit in? Um, Because obviously that was a big move by Paul Day to go out and get another left-hander for your guys. What's the addition of him been like for your club? Yeah, he's uh, super dynamic. You know, he checks almost all the boxes that you need to be, you know, a successful offense and a successful team. Um, One thing that stood out to me is not only his point production, but um, he's also picking up uh, loose balls on face-offs and um, made it a point to get back on D to help smooth our transitioning of the ball from defense to offense. So, um, you know, he's not a one-trick pony. He's not just a scorer. He's kind of, you know, fills in all those little gaps that we are looking for as a team to take the next step forward. And he's got a bit of a swagger to him, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He's got the West Coast uh, beauty going for him. And I let him know that when he ran out of the uh, tunnel game one with his helmet off. We told him out here in the East, we keep our helmets on. We got girlfriends and friends in the crowd. So (laughs) just little adjustments, but he's fitting in real well. Uh, Another new piece to the wings this year has been Jeff McComb. Um, Obviously, it took a while for you guys to kind of adjust his offensive coaching style. But how have you adjusted to his style? Yeah, um, it's been great for me, honestly. Uh, he's he's a great mind, and he's very relatable in the sense of how he um, goes about teaching his stuff. Um, you know, he breaks it down into a very simplistic form, and it's a lot of patterns, and everything he seems to say makes sense um, to me. And, um, you know, he he's, as a coach, it's challenging to come in with all brand new faces besides Benny Mac and Benny Mac's Mm -hmm. been a strong advocate for Bubs as well. And, um, you know, we're starting to find our groove here a little bit and people are starting to, you know, put the ball in the back of the net. Obviously the tandem between you and Matt Rambo continues to grow. What's your relationship like off the floor with him? Yeah, me and Matt, uh, it's funny, honestly, the wings are what brought us together. Um, you know, the resurgence of the Philadelphia wings and, um, 2018 was when I first met Matt Rambo. Honestly, I played against him in the MLL a little bit and um, I kind of knew him, you know, through the grapevine, but I never met, met him. And, you know, the first five words he spoke to me were him talking junk to me. And I knew from there it was going to be, you know, a lot of brotherly love. And um, it's evolved over the years. And, um, you know, we, we lived together in Philly for a while and we help each other, you know, off the floor with businesses and, just hanging out and then um, just coming in, you know, uh, one thing that we take pride in is kind of being an American tandem playing on the offensive side of the floor in the NLL. Uh, You see more and more Americans coming in, but not as many, you know, multi-American offenses out there. So I'm just trying to find our way and learn along the way and have a bunch of fun doing it. So when you see a guy, a young guy like Jack Hanna step into the NLL and having success right away, it's got to kind of make you smile knowing the future is bright of young NLL and, and box playing Americans. 100%. And it's a product of, um, you know, the junior leagues and the um, coaches, you know, these college coaches, you know, pushing their guys to go and play during the summer and 
Um, I also just think it's the style in which the game's played. Uh, I came into this league in 2017, and um, there was about 10 of us Americans, but just the style of play was a little bit different than what you're seeing now. It's, you know, a little bit more hybrid, a little more up and down, a lot of transition goals. You know, you even see guys like Tom Schreiber switching hands and shooting mm. the ball. So, um, I, you know, I think it's a great product, and I think it's favoring athletic, you know, Americans that have had a focus on stick skills and, you know, know how to be coached and then just taking that competitive edge learning and implementing it into, you know, the best indoor lacrosse league in, in the entire world. A lot of people refer, refer to you as an American that didn't have a lot of box experience before your pro days. Um, but you actually spent some time playing with the junior B Aquasosny club and even one of founders in 2015. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, to that, I would say that it's more of I was thrown into the fire than a slow roast here. Uh, you know, I didn't really – I went to every Nighthawks game growing up. I was a season ticket holder. Tim Sudan and my dad were best friends. He was my high school coach, so I was in the locker room. I'm hanging out with Paddle, Tool, Kugavin, Schiller. Like, I was around the game, but I never really played real box um, until my freshman year of college um, at the University of Albany, coming, you know, friends with the Thompson Trio and – Ty specifically, um, I was on the power play at the time, so I played goalie and power plays. Like, you should come up and try, you know, try out for the the box team here. And I'm, you know, I was like, okay. So I went, you know, and it was a huge learning experience for me. I was taking my neck guard off of my U Albany helmet before my first game against uh, the Gloucester Griffins. You know, not really knowing what the heck was going on. All I was told was my dad taught me how to put the pads on. And then he hit me a couple times in the driveway and was like, you good to go? And I was like, yep. And um, it was a learning experience. And I had a lot of great coaches and a lot of great teammates and support. And, um, you know, my biggest thing is that passion has always been my thing. I love this game. And um, I was passionate about it from the start. And I let that drive me through, you know, the ups and downs and eventually lead into a huge 2015 for my box career with winning a Founders Cup and then also being the only collegiate player to make the U.S. Uh, men's indoor team um, that year. So 2015 was kind of the the founding of what I was going to try to start for a, a box across career. And did you think that your first international experience, you know, w- would be with that box club? Because that must have been a huge honor for you. Yeah, it was absolutely a huge honor. And it was, you know, probably one of the best things that could have happened, you know, for me both at the time and, you know, looking through my professional career, just being a young buck in a locker room full of guys I looked up to veterans and grown men, essentially, you know, I was still 20 years old and, you know, you pick up a lot of little things and just the way guys carry themselves and conduct themselves. And, you know, they, you know, they set that the standard and anything below it's not acceptable. And I think that kind of helped my rise um, in a big way. I know I took my fitness a lot more serious um, and, uh, my film watching, watching the game of lacrosse and then just smiling and doing whatever the coaches were saying. How important was your season with Whitby in the arena lacrosse league for your box development? Yeah, it was, uh, it was huge. You know, my story was I played junior and I thought I was going to get drafted at a draft party with about 45 people. Everyone showed up, but the only thing missing was my name being called and, you know, go on to Buffalo bandits and, walk on and try out with nine other guys for three lefty spots. And 
Daryl Veltman has a kid the day before our first game. I'm on the practice roster. Here I am playing in the first NLL game of the season with the Bandits. And, you know, I was in and out, played nine games, you know, had a little bit of success. And then, you know, the next year uh, I moved down there and was expecting to take the next step forward. And I was released and I moved down to Sarasota, Florida and was coaching with Casey Powell, starting lacrosse and Siesta Key, living in an RV on the beach with no running water or electricity and Gavin Prout called me and you know he helped arrange a lot of stuff to make it possible and um, I did it and I traveled a ton and you know a lot of long drives and long nights but winning a championship there and you know continuing my passion and love you know ultimately if that wasn't the case I think you know you wouldn't be hearing my name in the NLL anymore so um, you know I I was a product of success and then the arena lacrosse league and now here i am so it's great it's a great league and i'm a huge supporter of the arena arena lacrosse league so when when you're at camps and stuff are are you really pushing young american kids to to try that experience to go up north to play junior lacrosse to play whether it be junior a or b or whatever it may be are you really pushing that on those young kids um a hundred percent um i actually have my own business called BR10 Lacrosse, and I have uh, four youth box lacrosse teams in Philadelphia in which I'm the head coach of all of them, essentially, and I have an assistant coach, and um, I teach the game the right way. All my kids are required to wear full box pads, and I'm trying to give them this experience, this true box experience, things that I picked up on, you know, and, and present that and give them an opportunity, and then, you know, through the molding as they get older, you know, I'm always recommending um, you know, to college kids that reach out to me, to high school seniors that are big time recruits. I'm always recommending this, you know, learning this form of lacrosse in this league because it's your fastest learning curve. And, you know, ultimately, if you want to be the best lacrosse player on the planet, you need to know how to play, you know, all the minuscule details. And those are learned in bo- the box lacrosse game. And, um, you know, I'm so fortunate to, have taken that path and put my time in and um, here I am. Do you get recognized more for the goalie goal when you're with Albany or for the commercial with blaze and blaze? <laughs> That's a great question. Honestly, um, honestly, recently probably more of the blaze and blaze. Everyone's asking me when they're coming out next. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of taking those receipts of everyone that's enjoying them and using them to help build some confidence for my post lacrosse career, you know, Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood and uh, Hermosa beach pier doesn't sound like a bad, uh, bad post lacrosse life. So um, yeah, just super grateful to have great sponsors and great people in my life and just having fun with it and enjoying all the experiences that come with being a professional lacrosse player. Do you go back and, and watch the goalie goal at all? Uh, it pops up on my feed without me yeah. even looking. Uh, I've seen it a thousand times, and I also <laughs> like to remind people that um, I attempted it two two other times previous that season and was unsuccessful. So my success rate tells me that I shouldn't have done it, but uh, I'm a risk taker, and you know I, I'll, I'll watch I'll watch it every once in a while. But I'm looking for bigger and better. Always trying to evolve. Um, it's funny just going back, you mentioned your time growing up around the Nighthawks and I, you know, I was a part of the, those teams probably in those early two thousands, but so was Paul day and, and he was the coach then and he's your coach now. 
Uh, you probably may not remember much of him back then, but now that you're playing under him, what's it like playing for a guy that's been around the National Lacrosse League for so long? Yeah, no, I, I do remember um, Paul Day. And, um, you know, I was the kid that was there for the first warm-up and noticing I was, you know, why is Junior got two – uh, a number two on his shorts and not a two four because he you know he probably lost his shorts and I, I was noticing every little thing so I knew who Paul Day was and um you know it really puts it into perspective when he you know comes in the room and talks and he talks about how he's been in this league uh, for 30 years you know and I'm 29 years old you know he's been here longer than I've been alive and you know a lot of people you talk to have nothing but the utmost respect for him and mm. um what he's done for me in my box career and just in life in general, like I'm just super grateful for his relationship and honored to play for him. And, um, you know, he's the glue to the Philadelphia wings. He kind of does it all, you know, with being the GM and the player. So um, I always look forward to my conversation with him and um, he just, unfortunately his mother-in-law, um, his mother-in-law passed away and, uh, at halftime of our game and um, there were some tears in the locker room and it just, you know, reminds us how much his family's invested and Mac day is always at the, at, at our games and He's at our baby. practices. And it's just what it's all about really, um, you know, circling around him and, and playing Philadelphia lacrosse. I remember uh, when Paulie was coached with Peterborough a couple years ago, when they were out in Victoria for the man cup, Mac was there and, he was out on the floor like during warm up and he threw a pass and hit somebody in the helmet. It was no big deal. Like it was just, it was a soft pass hit a guy, but he, Matt came off and he was in tears. He was like, Oh my God, I hit him in the head. I feel so bad. And Paul's like, it's okay. You know, yeah. they're, they're used to it. And it's awesome that Paul has young Mac around and that family that he continues to build. And you're obviously a part of that family. What's been the biggest difference for you this year? Cause it seems like, you're playing at a bit of a different level. It's been since game one. Yeah, um, I think it's a little bit of um, internal confidence, you know, knowing that I'm capable. But also, you know, I, I pride myself in being a team guy. And um, I don't know if my roles necessarily changed. I've never really had a leash on me or, you know, coach telling me I shouldn't shoot or anything like that. But, you know, just with the talent around us on the previous teams, I really took into the role of being the the grinder, the pick guy and setting seals and taking pride in getting extra possessions. And, um, you know, this year I've kind of, uh, you know, shaped that into that well, get into good scoring areas um, and, and presenting, you know, a target for guys like Joe and Rambo and uh, Mitch to, to find me. And um, it's just fallen a little bit more for me this year. And it's a pro a little bit of product of the system, a little bit of product of the confidence and then, a little bit of product of, you know, just me really taking the last two or three years, you know, COVID was a big thing for me. I live in Philadelphia. We have a practice facility um, that I have access to and I have a local goalie and I shoot, you know, at least once a week and have really tried to develop my arsenal a little bit to um, be a little more dynamic and successful in the goal scoring category. Uh, what was it like winning that game? Uh, against Toronto Monday night uh, at home in front of your fans to get a second win in a row and, and really propel yourselves into a playoff position. Yeah, it's been awesome. Honestly, um, one of my favorite parts about, you know, the NLL season is honestly the grind with the fellas. Um, you know, it's pretty cliche, but 
playing two games in a weekend and guys are, you know, leaving. We're together from Thursday to Tuesday and we don't get that opportunity all the time, you know, and as mentioned previously, we're playing a game where we're with each other for two days and then we're having a bye week, which is essentially almost 14 days away from each other, you know, so just kind of go, you know, getting our lumps, spending a little extra time together, you know, allows for some more joking, some more kangaroo court, some more meals together. And then, you know, to translate that onto the floor and get wins and build confidence is, um, you know, huge. And, um, you know, it's our first real win as a team this year against a team that quote unquote, we shouldn't have beat. And, um, you know, hopefully we can use that to propel us into another big weekend against the Riptide. Um, we bring this up more and more because it just continually gets talked about, but who's the, the council of your guys kangaroo court? Yeah. Um, Ian Lord's the judge, um, Eric Shuwal and Alex Krepensek are the, um, rookie officers. So they're in charge of the rookie quiz and, um, any little things that go on, the rookies are in charge of and making sure it's getting done. And then Baptiste and Rambo are the social media chairs for offense and defense, making sure that, you know, guys aren't getting too high on their bridges over posting, um, you know, their own brands or, or you're going to get luxury tax. And then I'm actually the uh, treasurer. So I'm collecting the money and part of the social chair that helps do our team trip. But um, unlike years past, our team trip happened. We got the opportunity to go out to Vegas. So we spent a couple extra days together as a team. So our team trips, uh, already in our past and now it's all about the lacrosse uh, what was the Vegas trip like for you guys like because that's you know experience not every team's getting this year yeah it was awesome honestly um you know the flashing lights and stuff but um we got to go golfing as a team uh we got to do a lot of meals as a team and um guys just kind of you know using the Vegas air to have high energy and you know we're we're all hanging out constantly and you know, joking around with each other and going and buying new hats and shoes and just kind of living the the Vegas, you know, Viva La Vega, you know, just (laughs) doing stuff we wouldn't do in our, in our everyday life back at home and enjoying those thrills and uh, together as a, as a squad. Yeah. You mentioned a big game against New York this weekend. How important is it to continue that momentum and and not kind of let yourselves get too high on yourselves? Yeah. um, You know, it's it's crazy right that eight teams make the playoffs it really makes the regular season essentially an 18 week long playoff um every single game matters uh you saw that this weekend so um we know that uh that new york's record isn't in any indication of the type of team that they are uh they have arguably the best player in the league uh running their offense and anytime you go against that we know the dangers um so just really bearing down, taking the next step forward and making sure guys are keeping their bodies, um, you know, in a position to keep playing at our, our full strengths. And then um, I, I couldn't come on here being a goalie and not talk about our netminder, Zach Higgins, mm-hmm. um, being the backstop of this team. And um, it's, it's the, uh, any good team starts with good goaltending and he's been that and more for us. So just being solid in front of him and, you know, making his life as easy as possible. Did you ever want to be a box goalie? Uh, I, I've tried it. Um, you know, I tried it my junior days. I didn't intend to play it, but I, I was out at a practice. I put the pads on and, you know, I couldn't see anything below my hips. And then <laughs> there was a situation, um, you know, my second year on the team. So about 
two, three years ago before COVID where both of our goalies, we only had one goalie. The other one was sick and I was the reserve goalie. So I went around there and shoot around and, you know, hopped in, but I got the utmost respect for those guys, but uh, I'm going to try to keep cementing my legacy as being a guy that, you know, can, can score in the NLL and then save the balls in, uh, in the premier lacrosse league. Is that a tough switch for you to, to go from being a goalie to a shooter? Or is that maybe advantageous? Yeah, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it's harder than I make it out to be to myself. Uh, I just love lacrosse. I've always had a stick in my hand and I just always, you know, remember my dad always telling me it's not chess or checkers, right? It's lacrosse and just, you know, doing what I can, not overthinking it. And, um, you know, I think being the only guy that, you know, is currently playing, I know there's guys in the past, you know, Brett Queener and Quint Kusnick, and you see guys like uh, Matt Vince playing long pole and, you know, but really doing it year in and year out and making the switch. Um, I'm starting to get used to it a little bit, but there's also a reason that I'm probably the only guy doing it right now. And uh, I look forward to, you know, one of the cool things about roaming around in the lacrosse world is, you know, a lot of kids coming up to me that are field goalies that play out in the box telling me they just want to be just like me. And, you know, I take a lot of pride in being different and, you know, going against the grain a little bit. I asked Brett Dobson uh, this last week when we had him on the show, the, the picture of Brian Phipps after the PLL sixes and, and that leg and just the grossness that was that. Yeah. Um, as a goalie, what were your thoughts on the PLL sixes? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a firm advocate and, uh, you know, guys, professional across players making money to play games. You know what I mean? We always talk about what they have to do outside to make money. So anytime an opportunity presents itself for the game to be on television and, you know, I thought the broadcasting was great. Um, the game's fast, and I know, you know, f- the facts that I've received is that in order to get into the Olympics, there's only a certain amount of athletes in the overall scheme of the event that are allowed in, and having right. 30, you know, man rosters and full lacrosse teams isn't going to make it easier for us to get in. So, you know, shortening the rosters and making it f- for someone that's never seen lacrosse to be able to follow along and have entertainment. You know, I think just for me growing the game is what's important. And, you know, the next step is the game being recognized in the Olympics and um, whatever form that has to, has to be in um, I'm an advocate for, because I want to see the game of lacrosse grow and jobs grow around it. And um, people making a living in, you know, my belief of the greatest sport on earth being presented as um, a staple in everyone's household. We often see, you know, players work on the equipment in, in, in lacrosse, whether it be sticks or shafts or helmets or whatever. You're doing a great job with unequal goalie gear. Uh, I'll give you an opportunity to, to share some love. Yeah. Um, unequal Technologies um, originally uh, has a patent for um, the lightest, um, skinniest Kevlar um, material in in the country and it was it's been used for military products um and now they're starting to shift into lacrosse and um luckily for me their headquarters is in wilmingham delaware which is um about 30 minutes from me and i got in connection with these guys and brian doherty who's you know a legend in himself spent some time in the league i can't remember if he played when it was the mill or nll but you know did both and we came on and just talked about the importance of protecting people's hearts in the game of lacrosse. Um, unfortunately, you know, the reality of it is in our sport, you see more, um, you know, 
cases of commodio cordis than any other sport. Uh, the ball moves fast and just, you know, protecting people's hearts and using our leverage as players to, you know, incorporate it into the highest level and really put it to test and then passing it down to help protect, you know, the ge- next generation is um, huge for me. And I've always, you know, my motto when I wake up and I do a thousand things, I play, I coach, I mentor, I create lacrosse equipment to be productive is I just want to leave the game in a better place than I found it. And I think that, you know, this is going to be revolutionary in the protection of our athletes. And um, as football signups go down due to injury, you know, the hopes is, you know, we help the curb by lacrosse signups being up because people know that they can play a safe contact sport that, um, you know, fulfills all the needs of, being a part of a team where there's contacts and all the little things you learn through sports and um, help to grow this game. Big game against the Riptide this weekend. You guys taking the the train? Up to uh, yeah, actually, um, I'm going to be renting a uh, car and myself, Mitch Jones, George Downey, who just made his NLO debut, uh, and Matt Rambo are going to be rolling up together. Um, probably stopping at a couple delis along the way since I'm driving <laughs> and I'm making the decisions here. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to settle in and, um, you know, head to the Coliseum for a big matchup against another Eastern uh, rival. Brother, this has been awesome. Uh, it's so good to see you guys winning games, getting in the playoff hunt, and, and the fans in Philly just continue to be some of the best in the National Lacrosse League, and you continue to be one of the best in the world. Appreciate your time, my man. Good luck this weekend, and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, and I just want to let you know, Teddy, I appreciate everything you do for the game. Uh, We need guys like you. Uh, You're passionate, you're knowledgeable, and you're helping spread awareness and, you know, shining light on players like myself and around the league, and we really appreciate you and enjoy your week. I appreciate that, boys. Thanks very much. We'll catch up soon, brother. Sounds good. Peace. Fantastic chatting with Blaze. Just just a really nice guy. And I like the fact, you know, I asked him, which does he get recognized for more the Albany goalie goal or the blaze versus blaze <laughs> commercial. And the fact that he just kind of relishes in, in being recognizable. And the fact that, you know, he might have a future uh, post lacrosse, uh, but just a great ambassador for the game, both indoors and out. It's ridiculous that he is a field goalie and and a forward in in box. Like it, it, it still like just blows my mind. Like we do often see players and goalies in different disciplines. It just for me though, it's it is so crazy. Like that we have this special of an athlete, and when you look at him, you're just like, this is just a regular dude. And yeah. I think that plays into who Blaze is. He's just one of the guys, at, but he's also one of the best lacrosse players on the planet, um, which only makes it, you know, that much more um, him more marketable, really. And I yeah. think that um, he does certainly have a future post lacrosse career, even though he's still got a lot, a lot of lacrosse left in him, inside and out of the box. Last week, we uh, had a ticket giveaway for the Rochester-Toronto game, and it all stemmed on your questions that were submitted through Twitter and Facebook. So we're going to answer a few of them. First one up from Nathan Christensen. Why do you think there is such a big gap 
with the top three teams in the East. And maybe the most logical answer for that, Patty, is the fact that they are the Golden Triangle. And all right around that upstate New York, southern Toronto area, where they have the advantage of not having to have guys either A, B in market, even though all three of those teams do, but the more so the fact that all three of those teams can drive to a majority of their games and they don't have to be flying as much and they can practice midweek and they just have a better cohesiveness with everything that goes on with their clubs, you know, on the road. And I think that plays a huge part in it. You know, um, Buffalo can drive to pretty much everywhere that they play outside of Western teams. Same with Toronto, same with Rochester. And I think that's a huge bonus. You know, I never even really thought of it that way, but that certainly um, would go and play into how they have had such a hot start. And if you look at all of them, really, they have all found ways to win those games that Philly and Halifax and the rest of the East haven't. Like Buffalo, all of a sudden, is this plucky underdog story because everyone's hurt and they come back in the second half. Well, Toronto, same thing. Like they, they, you know, not with the injuries, but it just seems like even when they play bad, they find ways in the third and the fourth quarter to come to life. And Rochester, every week where you think, not anymore, but let's say week five, week six, where you're like, okay, maybe this is where Rochester comes back to, to, to reality. They mm-hmm. didn't. And maybe that's a big reason. Maybe it's because they're comfortable in their markets. They get to practice all the time. And, you know, maybe that cohesion that you talk about goes into them finding ways to win down the stretch. And um, do we see a skid for either of these teams? I don't know. Rochester lost two in a row. Um, we haven't seen them do that since Toronto, you know, tough loss against Philly this past week. Um, you know, do they lose two two in a row? Do, do, does does Albany hand them a win? Do they get goalied again by Doug Jamison and yeah. Buffalo? When do these injuries start catching up to them? Or do they? Do Are they going to be able to weather the storm? And, and now we start to see guys come back. Um, it's remarkable what we've seen from all three of these teams with the adversity that they've had to face um, within this season so far. Just think, uh, Buffalo could get Byrne and Kluche back. Toronto could get Corbeil back and Roger, Rochester could get Dan Coates back. Like all three of those teams have key pieces that are out of the lineup that will really propel them as this season goes on. And, you know, the golden triangle, just they have that ability to draft trade for sign guys that are within driving distance. So it is such a huge plus for those three teams. And, you know, that's a, an advantage Vancouver will hopefully kind of be able to grow and learn from. Um, Calgary has done a good job with that. So the the proximity of players, the, the ability to drive to games is a real reason why those top three teams in the East have such success year in and year out. So great question, Nathan. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the game on the weekend. Um, from Kim Du. What has been the best add-on entertainment so far this season, such as the Petting Zoo in Philly, Tim Hicks at The Rock, Canada Day in Rochester, Karma K 
in Saskatoon, Cirque du Soleil in Vegas. Um, the NLL always does a great job in creating fan experiences. Has there been one that stood out more for you this year? I, I mean, the petting zoo in Philly certainly is something that <laughs> I've awesome. never seen before. That is really good. And I like how a lot of these games, like, um, you know, it was an 11 o'clock game, so you know there's going to be a lot of families there. So yeah. that makes, you know, a, a ton of sense. Um, you know, Calgary had last year, and I know this question is about this year, but Calgary had um, an East Coast kitchen party theme night. Yeah in town so this year Halifax said all right we're gonna have country western night when Calgary comes into town um in Halifax this year so I think some of those and and the Rochester theme night uh for Canada Day was awesome I really like how creative these teams are getting with their theme nights but again Tim Hicks bringing in like you know a a pretty big name in Canadian country music as a halftime show certainly I think brought in a couple of extra butts in the seats yeah. as they were over 10,000 fans there. Um, but I, I would like to see more of those style of, of halftime shows because it kind of plays into the atmosphere of, of what a game of lacrosse yep. is and the NL is all about. It's a, it's a concert atmosphere, but there's a sport going on. And I think if you get those people who are like, Oh, they're a big music fan. They like this band or they like this artist. Um, they come in, uh, they yeah. see it, but before they they get to that show, they're watching the game. They're like, "Man, I got to come back and see this game." Yeah, and and, that, and and so my standout was, um, and other teams have done this. No, Colorado does it quite often. Um, the wrestling night in Vancouver. You, oh yes, you, you have a event like that or a promotion like that that will help draw in, like you said, with country fans in Toronto, will help draw in other fans, and they'll mm-hmm. be like, "Oh crap." Trish Stratish is in Vancouver and they're going to have a wrestling match after the game. Well, hell I'm going to go watch that. Like you buy a $15 ticket and you get the bonus of seeing a wrestling match and a chance to meet Trish Stratus. Like anytime you can do something like that, that goes outside the realm of lacrosse fans specifically to draw in more fans will continue to build the atmosphere in arena. So shout out to, all team PRs and, and event coordinators are, that are trying to come up with new ways to bring more fans in. And I agree. Anytime you can do something like that, it just creates a better atmosphere inside the arena. Um, one bonus question um, from Randy Bobandi out there in Sunnyvale Trailer Park. Um, <laughs> is there a world where Lyle Thompson isn't with the Swarm next year? And we kind of talked about this um, with the trade deadline and free agency, but do you think there's ever a chance that LT4 isn't a member of the Swarm? I mean, there's a chance. I just don't know how high that chance is. Yeah. Um, I, from from what I've heard, there have been teams that have picked up the phone and, and, and called um, General Manager Arlotta, but the conversation ends pretty quickly with the ask of how many picks are involved. Yeah. So I truly don't know if he gets dealt. And I, I honestly just believe that this roster, this team believes in themselves a little more than what people on the outside believe because they felt they had such a hard schedule. They lost so many close games. They had uncertainty in between the pipes, but now that, you know, Dobson is getting more comfortable, you know, this might be a rough year this year, 
But yeah. add a couple of pieces that they had from the draft, bring in a couple of guys in free agency. This team could be right back there, especially if they lock up Shane Jackson, you lock up Lyle Thompson, believe you can give him the franchise tag as well. So he might not be going anywhere. This team could be back pretty quickly. So um, I'm going to say there is a world. Yeah. And for argument's sake, team that I could see him landing. If he's going to be anywhere, maybe Halifax with the relationship that he has with, with Randy Stotts and Cody Jamison. And I know Kurt Steyer certainly has never been shy to dial up an offer sheet or, or yeah. make a big splash. But with that being said, I think Randy's tenure in Georgia is going to last past next year. You mean Lyles? Sorry, Lyles, yes. Yeah, uh, and I, I agree. I think we kind of teased it. Maybe he would be a piece of move, but he's also – he can be franchised. Um, so I think Georgia can easily hold on to him with a franchise tag. I think if they have another down year next year, then it might right. happen. But right. I agree, you know, the way that Dobson's starting to play and some of the young guys are starting to get more comfortable, maybe we jump the gun a little bit. But yep. definitely down the road, um, if this Georgia team doesn't kind of pull their heads out of their asses and, and straighten the ship, then definitely. And, and I could see him landing in Albany with his connections to that yeah. area already. Yeah. Um, what a great pickup that would be for Glenn Clark and that organization to get LT4. And, um, you know, we saw what he did uh just in his college days then so it, just, it could definitely be a spot certainly and just looking at their schedule right now obviously tough game coming up on a sunday against rochester yeah but then you have philadelphia who's who obviously again a, a, a surging team right now but you know the, definitely a team that they probably believe they can be competitive then two games against new york yeah a game against halifax Game against Saskatchewan, Albany, Rochester, then Halifax to close it out. Tough schedule for yeah. sure, but you, you, you're not seeing the Bandits multiple times. You know, you're not seeing a you San Diego seal. Like, there, it's not full of world beaters. Like, there are some games that you're right in the thick of things with teams that have similar records as you. So, they're probably hoping a, a team or two out of the West – falls off a cliff and that crossover is still in play. <laughs> yeah. But I, from, from all the indications, the conversations I had this, they're not ready to punt on this season. No. Let's put it that way. Uh, week 15 in the national cross league is uh Friday Halifax at Buffalo, a rematch of the game this past weekend. No doubt. It is going to be another close game between those two teams, but this is a game that Halifax has to win. Um, has to win if they're going to continue to push uh, Calgary at Colorado, a massive Western conference game. We know those two teams always play exciting lacrosse against each other. Saturday, Albany at Toronto. That is the TSN game of the week. You'll be there with John Abbott and Ashley docking Philadelphia at New York. We talked about that game with blaze San Diego at Saskatchewan. Uh, the rush have sort of had San Diego's number despite the season series being one and one and then Vancouver at Las Vegas, the third game in the series between those two clubs and then some Sunday lacrosse, no Monday this week, but Sunday lacrosse, you mentioned it, Rochester at Georgia, a definite dent in the couch day. Um, obviously you'll be Albany and Toronto, but every game this weekend has some major implications for at least one of the teams, if not both of them. 
Yeah, this this might be the marquee week of the season when you look at every and it's also shout out to these schedule makers a great balance throughout the yeah. weekend with two friday games or four saturday games and a sunday game um this we could get a a, a prettier picture of what the playoff race is going to look down the stretch or <laughs> these teams are going to just jamble things up and make it even more muddier than what we can expect but you know looking at the schedule i think the game that I'm looking to looking forward to the most, obviously, besides the one I'm calling, I think it's San Diego and Saskatchewan because San yeah. Diego obviously want to continue to 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 win and and prove that they're that top team. Saskatchewan's coming off of two losses that are very disappointing by their standards. Mm-hmm. They lose this game, and Colorado comes up with a big win against Calgary. All of a sudden, I don't think they're quote unquote in trouble. But I would not be surprised if Derek Keenan picks up the phone and, and tries to make a move to improve this roster because last year I think was a blip on the radar. I really yeah. do. I don't see any way that this franchise could deem it acceptable to miss the playoffs two years in a row. No, I agree. If if they're on the outside looking in after this weekend, Derek Keenan is on the phones hard. Um, we've got a few more Sunday games coming up throughout the rest of the final six, seven weeks of the National Crossing. So there's going to be a lot of good lacrosse to be watching. Halifax and Buffalo, man, this is this is going to be a hell of a lacrosse game. And, and if the Bandits get some healthy bodies back, uh, it'll be definitely favor it in their side. But the fact that you know Dylan Robinson has been playing some great minutes for them. Obviously, what Ian McKay has been doing for them the last few weeks has been outstanding. Dane Smith continues to be their number one guy. But this is a team that, you know, we talk about it, still needs to find a way to win that big game. But they're on a five-game winning streak despite all those injuries. This definitely is the team to beat right now. Me. It really me. <laughs> if you're a Toronto I, fan or a Sask fan or whoever you're a fan of, or sorry, San Diego, you're going to think your team's better. But the fact that they're doing this with all those injuries just is remarkable. And talking to a lot of guys on the team, they say, like, it's crazy to say, but it's actually kind of a, a good thing for this group that they're dealing with all these injuries and they're dealing with adversity because it felt like over the last couple of years, it was just like, okay. You know, regular season's done. All right, now let's get up for the playoffs. Like now they're at least like they're they're fighting tooth and nail every single game. Like multiple defensive guys are playing out the O door, and they they just feel like this is a challenge that they're embracing and they're living up to the challenge. And it's and it's not like they're yeah their record looks great, but it's been a grind. Like they they've had I think three fourth quarter comebacks now in the last like four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, it hasn't come easy. And and I think that is going to have them poised for the remainder of the year and into the postseason. And once some of these bodies come back, man, like <sighs> obviously you're never you're like, not, not like Josh Byrne and, and Chris Cloutier aren't getting Wally pipped by any stretch of the imagination. No. They'll be fine. But then Ian McKay is going to go back on the D-door. Dylan Robinson's going to go back onto the D-door. Certainly going to switch some things up, but um, I think it's only going to make them more dangerous down the stretch. Um, 
if I asked you which goalie led the lead, is leading the league in goals against and save percentage, you know, a goalie that's played the bulk of the minutes for their team, who would it be? Who is so save so, percentage and goals against both save percentage and goals against leading the league in both those statistical categories, playing above six hundred minutes. Above six hundred minutes, save percentage. Christian Delbianco? No. And I said that this guy isn't getting the love a few weeks ago when we were doing year mid-season awards, and I said that he needs to start getting talked about for what he's doing. Matt Vince? Nick Damood. Ah, yes, yes, you did say that. You did 651 say that. 651 minutes, so he's playing the, the bulk of the minutes down there for the club. 10.17 goals against and a 79.2 save percentage. Leading the National Lacrosse League in save percentage and, and goals against, playing the bulk of the minutes. He does not get talked about. It's crazy. You're right. You're right. It, it, and I, I, don't, I think if you ask him, he probably doesn't care because no. that's kind of the, the M.O., of Panther City. Um, they kind of just go about it in a team way. And the only stat, the only accolades that they care about is the win. And but here's the thing: as a media, it's our job to hype these guys up. And I think yeah. it is our job to start recognizing that you know Nick Damood's successes aren't just because he's got a you know a, a great defense in front of him or that his team just outscores all their problems. Mm-hmm. He's having an unreal season. He's a great goalie, and you got to give kudos to his coaching staff, to Bob Hamley for entrusting him yeah. with this because they did have Kevin Orleman, and they decided to go with Daymood, and a lot of people were kind of surprised yeah. when they went with him. And, boy, we shouldn't be surprised now with the way that he's playing. Uh, Toronto Rock had two games. They won one, lost one. It ruined the parlay, but we're back on the horse. We got another edition of Box Bets. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, Patty, time for another round of box bets here on the podcast. Thanks to our friends over at Cool Bet. Uh, the Rock were close. We almost got back in the winning streak, but we've asked the fans again, and they have chosen what I believe to be a pretty strong winner. The polls were reopened, and you spoke, and and. Pretty definitively, I would say you like this one, and I have to agree. This is the one that I voted for as well. Keeping it simple Calgary Roughnecks, San Diego Seals, Rochester Nighthawks, all to win at plus 330. A $20 wager gets you 86 potential return. San Diego's got to beat Saskatchewan, Toronto's got to beat Albany. And Rochester has to beat the Georgia Swarm. It's going to be tough, but I think we can pull it off. So uh, if you want, head over to CoolBetCanada.com. Go down there, find the Features tab. You'll see 
our parlay. You'll see the LC boys parlay. Click it, join it, have some fun. And also hit that tab up at the top. And when you're entering your information, use promo code OTCB, have some fun, play along. And we'll continue to give you the opportunity to pick our winners. As we always say, stay cool. And responsibly. There you go, Pat. Um, trade deadline is March 20th. We talked a bit about that. Um, the PLL is going to Japan. Uh, they teased this a couple weeks ago. I think it's a great endeavor um, for, that, for them to head over uh, to Japan and play some games. That'll be very, very interesting as we've been watching uh, the PLL free agency going on this week. So they're making some moves. Of course, Steve Govett mentioned uh, that the NLL went to Australia many moons ago uh, for an exhibition down there. And I mentioned this on the watch party. And as we were talking about where could they play another sort of game like this. And it might be hard to do during the regular season, but the NHL has done it before. NFL has done it before. I would love for them to go to the Czech Republic and play in Raditon at one of those incredible outdoor facilities that they have there with the box set up and the beer gardens and everything. That would be a amazing experience if they went over to Europe and did an outdoor game. That would be just unbelievable. Um, that is on my bucket list. I've always wanted to get over um, to that tournament. Every person that you talk to uh, just absolutely loves it. They do have small stands there. Yeah. So I think you could probably bring in some additional bleachers to to build around it. Um, but I think it would be awesome. And you mentioned even having it during um, – the Alessa Bereski uh, Memorial Tournament. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Why not have that as like the marquee event um, at night? They do have lights, so you could play it under the lights. Um, players probably would like it as it'd be a little bit cooler because um, it is in the what, like late spring, early summer. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that would be awesome, man. I really think that would be cool. Um, so just some thoughts that we had out there uh, in another edition here of Patty and Teddy take lacrosse around the world um thanks to blaze reardon for stopping by and giving us some time great conversation with him as always and make sure you check out uh the blaze versus blaze commercial that's out there on youtube it is still one of my favorite lacrosse commercials um for an apparel company he is pat gregor find him on twitter at p greggy i'm at teddy jenner the show at otcb underscore podcast and of course we're on insta at OTCB Podcast. You have the game of the week. How excited are you for Albany and Toronto? I'm really fired up. We've, you know, talked to just a few of the players and coaches uh, so far at the time of the recording. And again, <laughs> just because it's two teams in two completely different stages of the season and where they believe they should be, um, it's the National Lacrosse League. Anything can happen any given day, any given night. So, um, I'm not chalking this up as a as a win night or a point night for the Toronto Rock. Albany's here to compete, and they're they're here to even possibly play spoiler for the Toronto Rock. If you go to a game this week, take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. And if you take a friend, buy him a beer. Beer, lacrosse, friends, as we experienced on the watch party, are a perfect trifecta. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an apple. I was